Well, hello, and welcome to the Aristotle Full Throttle Show. I am the Aristotle Full Throttle in question. I'm the one that's the titular character of the show. I'm here to say hello to you. Happy Monday. One and all. None and all. One and done. <laughs> Happy Monday, everybody. Oh, boy. I upgraded my computer. I upgraded... Well, I upgraded this program that I'm using. I didn't upgrade the computer. So hopefully we can, um, you know... Have a successful show today. <laughs> Hopefully. Oh, they found Tupac's killer. Big news, ladies and gentlemen. That's what today's show is going to be about. Uh, Wesley, tell us about Tupac's killer. They found Tupac's killer. Tell me about this. Tell me more about this while I try to find out why I can't hear these the headphones. Internal speakers. No, I want to... Hang on a second. This is going to be great. Watch this. <laughs> they found Tupac's killers? What? How? How is that even a thing? What? Here, hold on. How did they do that? The old hitman Orlando Anderson was hired by P. Diddy. Uh-oh. Are you kidding me? Whoa. Scandal. P. Diddy had Tupac murdered? How come I don't not believe that? Can't hear it. Hold on. There it is. Whoa! Let's. This is breaking news. P Diddy killed Tupac Shakur. This is right here. You're hearing it for the first time. Breaking, ladies and gentlemen. Oh my goodness, man! Today was. Whoa! This is a crazy day. Let me tell you something about that. Ooh, boy. Tell me more, Wesley. Tell me more about this killer. I don't understand. I haven't heard this until now. This is crazy. I'm, I gotta research this. What's going on, guys? P. Diddy murdered Tupac. This is fresh. Just, just, just in. I mean, I'm not making accusations. Allegedly. I'm not making any accusations. It's Wesley. I blame Wesley for, for bringing us this news. Tell me how the audio is, if it's cutting out or not. I don't think it should cut out anymore. I think it should be fine. Let's see. Whoa, I am elated that they maybe that Tupac's family will get closure from this situation. However, I'm shocked and amazed. I guess P. Diddy hit him up. He made some changes. He didn't have some California love. He said, dear mama, Tupac is getting out of here because all eyes are on me. But he ain't mad at you. But he is a hellraiser. Keep your head up, though. You never know. Do it for love. Only God can judge P. Diddy. How do you want it, though? How do you feel? How does it feel? That's what they said. How do you want it? How does it feel? And if you only fear death, then you might have to go to the ghetto hospital because you can't see me, little Holmes. (laughs) That's for all the Tupac fans out there. (laughs) Wesley says this. First of all, I would like to play your intro, Wesley. I think I can play intros again, depending on depending on my frame rate situation. Wesley. Wesley. Corn pop was a bad dude. Tupac was a good dude. But you know what Ice Cube is saying? Today was a good day. 
Whoa! I can't believe it. Let's see the news. Let's verify this news. Maybe this is alleged. Maybe this is not news. Maybe this is all made up by our friend Wesley. Tupac's teenage love letters. Let's see. Tupac's teen... This could be an April Fool's prank. He might be April Fool's pranking us. But April Fool's was last week. Wesley, why are you April Fool's foolsing us now? Let's see. I don't see any news about this, but... Tupac Killer. Let me see. Let me use the Google machine. True crime, ladies and gentlemen. True crime. Tupac's killer. See, I told you this podcast was about true crime. Was I lying? No. True crime is what all the ladies like to listen to. Ladies love the true crime. They love to listen to about killing and murder. They love it. This is what I've learned from... This is not... I'm not being sexist. It's an observation. A lot of women love true crime. A lot of men love true crime. A lot of women love true crime. Tupac detective urges cops to finally arrest self-confessed murderer Kifa D. Mother defense summons court. Tupac Shakur's death in Las Vegas examined 25 years later. Well, former LAPD detective says he knows who killed Biggie and Tupac. Was it the same guy? Every time I pass the automotive museum in L.A., I think about Biggie. I think Biggie. I say I pour one out to Biggie. I say I loved it when they called him Big Papa. Thank goodness for Biggie Smalls. He was big. He was Smalls. He was Biggie Smalls. There was no man bigger yet smaller than Biggie Smalls. Ready? Ready? Thank you. I wrote that just now. Wowzers. Wesley has shared with us some information. Potentially incriminating information for Tupac. Tupac. Is it Tupac? For sure? Can we get can we get the verification? Is it Tupac for sure? Tupac Shaker. For Tupac Shaker. That's how I call him. Here is the news. It's in Cool Story on the Discord. If you want to join the Discord, remember, you can just pledge at least a dollar a month on Patreon or subscribe on Twitch. Subscribe on Twitch for only like two, three dollars a month. You could be a subscriber on Twitch and then you could help me get a new computer and you can watch the frame rate stay up. But how's the sound? Is the sound good? Let me know how the sound is sounding. If the sound is cutting out, uh, I'm going to go walk out into traffic. Now I'm going to have to find my killer after this. It's going to be me. All right, I'm opening up this video, Wesley. I'm opening up the video that you sent me. Ladies and gentlemen, they found Tupac Shakers. Tupac Shakur. Tupac Shaker. Is that how you say it? Let's see. Tupac. Tupac. Crime. Solved. True crime! Here at Aristotle Full Throttle, true crime, detective, uh, detective stories, because we like to be detectives. You know, it's funny. I <clears throat> knew somebody who was very into true crime. They happened to be a woman, because women love true crime. And But at the same time, logic was not a fan. They were not a fan of logic, which was very illogical. This is to say, I would say, hey, uh... Did this happen or did that happen? And they'd say, how did you know that? And I'm like, well, I deduced those things on account of the things that 
evidence. And then they'd be like, well, that seems... Well, how would you know that? And I'm like, because the st- your story changes and this changes and that changes. How, how, do, you, how do you not know it? <sighs> You're the fan of true crime. You're the fan of detective work. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't take a detective to use these very skills to figure these things out. You know what I'm saying? It's not it's not rocket surgery. It's not true crime solving. It's not detective work. It's just logic. It's weird how sometimes logic evades people who rely on things that are logical. For instance, uh, I'm going to go off for a minute. I don't like astromedy. Astrology. Astrogedly. Astrology. I don't like the star signs. I don't like them. I'll tell you why. Here come two pack shakers. Killer. Ready? This thing is taking forever to load, Wesley. I'm going to have to figure this out after. Um, yeah, I had to kill that program. Let me kill this progy too. Uh, yeah. Sorry. My, you know, I can't rely on my computer. That's all. Let me just tell you about astrology. 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 Aristotle astronomy. Let me do a tarot reading. First of all, if you follow true crime, if you're a fan of true crime podcasts and a fan of astrology, I can't help you. Because they're both diametrically opposed to one another. You don't find a detective going, hey, you know how we solved this crime? The evidence here showed that this guy must be a Pisces. They don't say that. <laughs> Nobody says that when they go to a crime scene. They're like, hmm, this is clear evidence that a Gemini committed this crime. <laughs> Do you see what I'm saying? You know? Like, what is in their forecast that day? I'm sorry, they're, they're reading, their astrological reading. Uh, you are also a killer, Sagittarius. Uh, is this Will likes to remind me, the Zodiac Killer defies your biases. Well, the Zodiac Killer just did these things because he said he was just a prankster, really. Had nothing to do with the Zodiac. Why didn't they solve the crime? They just could have found it in the stars. <laughs> they could have solved the crime. Wesley Plocky says, Biggie is my second favorite rapper right after Tyler, the creator. Well, Wesley... There's a lot of good rap. Did you see Biggie's uh, Biggie Smalls documentary? It's good. His mother is hilarious. Biggie Smalls documentary, as an aside for the true crime that we're focusing on. We're trying to solve Biggie's murder and Tupac's murder. We're trying to fo- solve these cases, ladies and gentlemen, right here on Aristotle Full Throttle. True crime. True crime. I'm just saying, if you follow astrology, this is what I do sometimes, and I do it much to the annoyance of people. They'll say, so what's your straw sign? And I'll be like, it's a cancer. And then they'll go, oh, you're a cancer, right? So let me tell you about you. Let me tell you about you without even asking you any questions or because I'm a terrible judge of character. I will not be able to tell from your behavior and the way that you are toward me about you. I am going to describe you for my own sake so that I can understand you. So what they do is this. They go, uh, so you're, you're hardworking and you find, you find it frustrating. You find it very frustrating that you can't, you start a lot of projects and you, and, and you, and you can't finish all your projects. And, 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 uh, sometimes you, you know, there's love in your life, but you, you just went through like a, a detachment phase and now you're entering a new, uh, re rebirth. 
You're entering a new rebirth in your life right now. Let me just tell you about that. Let me tell you about your life. And then you start to make all these connections to your life. So what I do is I go, yeah. And I say, yeah, I do start a lot of projects. Uh, and then I do have a lot of work that I need to finish on them. And then I tell them and I confirm every single thing that they say about me being born in June or cancer or whatever. And then, and then I go, just kidding. I was born in January. I'm a Capricorn. And then they get all mad. And say, well, that's typical. That's definitely something that Capricorn would do. And I go, I can't win, can I? There's no winning. So I'm going to do this next time this happens. Next time I'm at a party and someone urges me to give them my birthday so that they can decide and judge my character on whatever they're reading that day instead of looking at me and talking to me and having a conversation with me and getting to know me. And they just decide, oh, let me just decide this is what you are and then act toward you in the way that I think I should. This is why I don't like true this <laughs> I like true crime, but I don't like astrology. Astronomy. 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 I like astronomy and cosmology, but astrology, no thank you. So this is what happens. So they say that. So next time I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do it like five times. I could be like, I'm a Sagittarian. And then they say, oh, then you have, uh, you start a lot of projects and uh, you got a lot of, and you're in a phase of transition right now and, uh, and all these generalities, you know, this is what they do. It's always the same because it can be applied to every single human. They do this study. The Amazing Randy used to do this. There's a great documentary on this, a Nova. I don't know if you watched Nova or public television when you were a kid, but I did. And uh, the, the Amazing Randy would go around as colleges and he'd hand out these envelopes, right? These sealed envelopes. He'd hand them to the college kids, and he'd say, uh, Johnny Smith, this is your envelope. Sally May? That's a loan. Sally May, this is your envelope. Uh, uh, Kevin Smith? Not Kevin Smith, the director, but you. Here's your specific envelope. Willie Smith? Everybody's named Smith in this class. This is your envelope. Right, And then he goes, everybody, now open your envelope because it has a very specific reading for your astrology sign today. This is your specific reading for you. I've decided we found out everybody your birthdays and we gave you a very specific reason, reading. And then they all read them, right? They read them to themselves. And then... After they read them to themselves, uh, the Amazing Randy asks the class, he goes, Hey, everybody, now how many of you feel like this description applies to you exactly? And like 95% of the people raise their hand. Like an overwhelming majority of the class will raise their hand. And they'll be like, this, no, this is definitely a reading of me specifically. You guys nailed it. Everything in this reading is me specifically. And he goes, okay, now hand that paper to the person to your left. And then they hand the paper to the next person. It's the exact same reading. Everybody in the class got the exact same reading. This is true. They could do this. They, repro- they reproduce this experiment all of the time. Everybody gets the exact same reading, and then they think it's specifically for them. So st- get out of my face with your trying to trying to put me into a pigeonhole. I don't like it. One of the things I don't like in life is being, well, I guess misunderstood. We all just want to be understood, don't we? 
we all just want to we don't want to be limited to anyone else's imagination that's a quote from me i quoted that you could quote me on my quote for that don't be limited by anyone else's imagination just because someone else can't imagine you doing a thing doesn't mean that you can't ever do that thing Isis Will says, hey, Wesley and Aristotle, it's very odd to read Wesley reporting on events from 25.5 years ago that have been rumored for just as long and debunked. Well, that is, that's interesting that Wesley has knowledge of stuff that is twice his age. <laughs> uh, someone's mad at their horoscope today. Ha, Wesley with the snappy comeback. Oh, Wesley, you got me. Oh, Wesley, but... Am I mad at my horoscope, or is my horoscope mad at me? It's a, it's a very, uh, the, the most dramatic chord in the world. Is it more dramatic or less dramatic? It's anything sounds dramatically punctuated when you do this. Or does it? Yes, it does. Uh, Wesley. I am angry at my horoscope. Because the horoscope ain't real. Because the, the signs on the horoscope have rotated like one position in the last 200 years, yet they still use the same charts. So you're not a real Capricorn, you're an Ophiuchus. What'd you call me? Uh, that was a snappy comeback. Uh, but... Wesley also agrees, uh, he says. I do completely agree that with astrology being a Bachelor of Science. Well, let me say something, first of all. Second of all. Uh, yeah, it's interesting that we're trying to solve... We're going to solve Tupac Shaker's murder today. Tupac Shakur, was he really tough, though? He wore a bandana on his head, but that, does that make you tough? Hey, Will, how's the sound? Is it cutting out? Are we sounding consistent today? Because I upgraded my sound program, which cost me $30. Cost me $30 to upgrade the sound. But I need to know if there's any cutting out today. Please let me know. Because uh, this will go up as a podcast tomorrow on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and anywhere you get a podcast, the show is available. And guess what? We do true crime here. Biggie Smalls was murdered by P. Diddy. Wait, P. Diddy and Biggie Smalls was friends. Actually, P. Diddy said Tupac Shaker should die because he didn't like the way he rapped. Why was there any, like, you know, animosity between Biggie Smalls and Tupac Shaker? Because I'm just saying, <clears throat> Tupac Shaker, he, he's got this, how do you want it? How does it feel? Remember California? Yeah, buddy. Remember all those songs? <laughs> Yeah, everybody loves those songs. And I'm just going to say that uh, why can't just everybody love music? Why is there competition in music? Well, since when was there competition in music? Well, I guess the Beatles competed with the the, the Beach Boys because they hated the Beach Boys. They, they just thought the Beach Boys was trash. I concur. Beach Boys is straight trash. I am not mad at my horoscope, Wesley. I just think it's bizarre 
that people who like true crime also like horoscopes because the people solving those true crimes are using logical reasoning and deduction and evidence-based science. And then astrology is using used toilet paper. You know what I'm saying? One relies on methodology and actually yields results in the capture of people who are trying to get away with true crime. So, one, actually, in the real world, applies and you and finds people like the Golden State Killer. And then you got astrology, which does less than nothing. See what I'm saying? Hey, what's happening, Studio 8H? Welcome to the show. You're always welcome here. Kgriff, we ain't seen in a long time. Sorry, I'm gonna have to kill. I'm gonna have to kill that intro because it was really hurting. Uh, <laughs> welcome to the show, Studio Eight H. Welcome as always. Happy Monday, everybody. Today we've solved Tupac Shaker's uh, crime. We solved his murder through uh, an astrological reading. We found the murderer that way because that always works. It always works. Uh, let me find. Let me see. Okay, let's watch. Let's watch this. Cool story. Let's watch this. Ready? The most massive mystery in rap history has finally been solved. Who killed Tupac and who ordered the hit? His murder has sparked intense debates and absurd conspiracy theories, but after decades of being locked out, we have our answer, and we have Detective Greg Kading to thank. Greg worked as the lead investigator on Tupac's homicide. Violence that had been taking place between members of uh, Bad Boy Records and their trip entourage, and then the members of Death Row Records and their blood entourage. According to Greg, the man who pulled the trigger was a member of Pac's rival Compton Crips. Orlando Anderson is... Absolutely, positively, the murderer of Tupac Shakur. But according to Greg, the murder actually traces all the way back to Diddy. Greg claims he paid a gang member named Keithy D $1 million to kill Tupac. Keithy recruited his nephew, Orlando, who pulled the trigger. Now, Orlando was never charged because he was killed in a gang-related shootout shortly after. Oh. Of course, Diddy denies the allegations, calling it pure fiction. But Greg claims to know the truth, and that Sean Diddy Combs owes the world that truth. Throw me a follow if you didn't know this. And if you did, I'll sort it for like... Throw me a follow... He's doing it for the follows, ladies and gentlemen. Let me just say something. Uh, Wesley, uh, although it seems like this guy has done his due diligence, it's still a rumor. (laughs) This is not a... Lest anybody be confused that they actually solved the crime. This is uh, anecdotal evidence from a guy who said to a guy about a thing some guy told him one time about a guy. So, technically it's a rumor still, but is it? Uh, well, you know, yes, it is. Uh, is this Will says, yeah, so far in the intro, the only thing that tanked the stream so far. Good. You know what? 
Uh, that, that's the only thing to tank the stream so far. Good. Thank you for giving me the update, because what really counts is the audio, ladies and gentlemen. This is an audio podcast. You can hear my dulcet tones. Uh, you can hear Adam West. If you, if you use your imagination, you can hear Adam West. They're going to use the boy wonder, I think, in the next Batman. Speaking of detective work, Batman is the greatest detective of all time. He's like the Sherlock Holmes, but with a cape. Isis Will says, yeah, got to call out the guy who YouTube hack pulling from the wiki for a quick video. Isis Will coming with the coming with the burns. <laughs> well, I just say um, thank you, Wesley, for opening this topic for the true crime topic for true crime. Because, uh, you know, but you don't have to take my word for it. Uh, I just got to say, yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. I don't think that, uh, I don't know, I get frustrated, okay? I get really frustrated because at one time, this is years ago now, I went on a date. Let me tell you about this date. You guys want to hear about my dates? This is the worst date I've ever been on, I think. I had to call my brother after and be like, have a good laugh about it, because I said, this is the worst date. Who want, if you guys want to hear about my date, let me know in the comments. Otherwise, I'll just keep moving forward. But this was definitely the worst date I've ever been on. <laughs> One of the worst. I've been on many terrible dates. The Aristotle Full Throttle Show is, is about dating. It's a show about true crime. <laughs> it's, a, it's about Kim Kardashian. It's about Tup- Tupac's murderer. Um, Studio 8H says, how can a murder that never happened be solved? Tupac is still alive. We all know that. I hear someone chiming in on the Discord. Who goes there? Is this Will? Welcome to the show. Welcome, as always. We've got Is This Will in the chat. Yes. I can hear you, check it. Is this Will? Wow, Welcome to the show. Try. We are starting to first wake up. Try. Bang it. Yeah, I got to tell you, I upgraded this. I downloaded an upgrade for OBS, and I downloaded an upgrade for my audio program, and somehow, when you upgrade things, they work better, maybe because of planned obsolescence. But go ahead, Is This oh, yeah. Will. <laughs> Welcome oh, to no, the show. Oh, no, 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 no. See I'm just going to listen to the date story. I don't know how much lag there is between when you were about to start the date story and when I joined oh. the, the chat. <laughs> so, um, so I might have missed some stuff. So you go ahead. Well, okay. Let me tell you, let me tell you about this date story. Uh, so this person, they, they had asked me to come over and like, just hang out with them. And I was like, you know, why don't we go out in a public place first to meet? And they said, okay. Let's do that. And then they said, actually, I've got to work tonight. And then I was like, okay, well, then can you hang out after work? And then they said, no. And then they said, like, 4 o'clock that day, yes. <laughs> so already I'm off on a bad foot with the person because they're like, yes, no, yes, yes. Uh, a Studio 8H asks if I went on a date with Tupac. I only wish. I wish it was Tupac. Um, he would have at least been way more entertaining and funny and fun. This person... Uh, well, you know, they were like, hey, why don't you just come meet me at my work at, I work at a bar. Why don't you meet me there? And while I, well, 
we had agreed to go to dinner after her work, but then she's like, well, I'm still working. Do you want to just come to the bar and then we'll, you'll meet me there and we'll go to the dinner after? And I said, sure. At this point, I'm like, I'm already jumping through hoops <laughs> to hang out with this person. And then finally, they, uh, I meet them at their work. And when I meet them there, at first I didn't recognize them. And that's never a good sign. That's never a good sign. So for, and then I said, they, she said, um, listen, I just have to close out the bar. And when I'm done with that, we could go hang out, at, go get dinner. This is like 9 p.m. I was like, cool, sounds good. She proceeds to close the bar. It takes 20 minutes. So I'm standing there at the sports bar thinking, all right, maybe I should just leave. <laughs> and then I'm watching this sports. I don't watch sports ball. So there's this gigantic TV in front of me, and I'm just standing in front of it watching it. And, and I'm just standing there oblivious to the fact that when she came back over to me, when she was finished closing out the bar, she said, hey, all of my friends are here. Do you want to hang out with me and my friends? And uh, I look to my left, and this entire time, while I'm standing at this, this in the middle of this bar, staring at this TV, to the table to my immediate left is her friends. There's like five of them sitting at a table. <laughs> and I said, I said to myself, "What could go wrong?" <laughs> and then I sat down at the table. I said, "Sure, I'll meet your friends." Hi, everybody. I'm Aristotle. Uh, how's it going? And then they were like, now, there was one guy who was super like, hey, this is weird, isn't it? And I was thinking, yeah, this is weird. And he's trying to be funny and trying to be. And then she had this other friend. Uh, there was one guy who just didn't say anything. He just sat there. And then there was a woman there. She looked like Drew Barrymore. And I think in her life she had been told that she looks like Drew Barrymore way too many times because she tried to talk with the affect of Drew Barrymore. She was so trying to talk like Drew Barrymore the whole time. And I was like, you know, so many people have told you you look like Drew Barrymore that you started to talk like Drew Barrymore. You don't see me doing this. Maybe you do see me doing that every now and then. But that's a Lady Kravitz song. Uh, you know, I just want to get away. I just want to get away, because I look like Lenny Kravitz. So anyway, the point is, we're already an hour late. She, I didn't recognize her when when she walked up to me. I was standing in front of her, a table full of her friends for 20 minutes before I realized that I'd been just standing there hovering over her friends as they judged and stared at me, I guess. Which was fine. Then, under duress, I agreed to sit down with her and her friends. Now, this is where it gets even funnier. Because Drew Barrymore, her friend Drew Barrymore, her friend, um, I, I don't want uh, Drew Barrowless. <laughs> I don't know what kind of Drew Barrymore she was. Uh, who knew Barrymore? I don't know. Whatever her name is, I don't remember. And there's a great follow-up to this story, too. So, I sit down. First thing they start asking me is my sign. Now, maybe I brought up the astrology thing because I'm a little bit bitter. Maybe I did have an, uh, an experience where I said, this is horrible. Because <laughs> none of these people know me. Yet they're asking me my birthday and trying to tell me about me. None of them 
even knew me. Even the person I was on a, quote, date with, I didn't know who she was, so I don't know how to behave in a situation where I'm like, I don't even know you, I don't know your friends, so I'm just going to be here by myself. I noticed that I've been losing listeners while I tell this story, so maybe I'll wrap it up. Um, if you're out there, just drop a comment. Just put, a, like, a number one <laughs> in the comment uh, in the comment section. If you want me to continue, a number two if you don't. Because this story, let me tell you, it gets better. So, she, her, Drew Barrymore is like, hey! I just reopened the video muted. What? The video muted? Well, I, th I see the meter going up. Uh, so you lost me by joining chat. I'm listening in chat. Okay, good. Fair enough. Thank you for chiming in. So her friend Drew Bamro was like, "Oh, so you're a Capricorn? Uh, and yeah, you. Oh, yeah, that you know that's what this means, and that's what that means." And then her friend was just sat there quietly. But my date just sat there quietly, and I was like sitting there talking to her friends the entire time. So I got a beer. I said, "She's like, you want a drink?" I was like, "Sure, I'll, I'll get a beer." And I sat there and I was being funny and and ingratiating myself with their friends. And I don't even know these people. I'm not invested, right? And then her friend says to to me, hey, she says. Oh, you remind me of Sergio. And I'm like, hey, who's Sergio? And she goes to my date. Do you remember Sergio? Remember when you went on a date with Sergio? And I was like, yes, tell us about Sergio. While I'm sitting right here, I would like to know, am I better or worse than Sergio? Can you tell me? Because you've already you've already told me about myself because I, uh, because I told you my birthday. Now tell me about Sergio. <laughs> so... I'm just like, this date is not going to happen anymore. And I just kept saying to myself, you know what? I could do two, two, one of two things right now. I could get up and walk the F out because I was feeling like this is, this is horrible. This is a really weird situation to be in. Or I could see where this goes. I could go down this rabbit hole. And you know me. I'm Aristotle Volthrama. I like to have uh, fun. I like to experience the joie de vivre, the joy of life. Uh, I, I want to see what's going on behind the curtain. I want to find out. Uh, I want to have new experiences in life. And I said to myself, uh, let's just keep going. Let's see where this, where this goes. And then her friend just got really more obnoxious, telling us about all of the dates that my date had, has gone on. So I was like, you know what? That's hilarious. You know, you guys are great. Maybe you should be with Sergio. I don't know. Uh, tell us about, uh, you know, and I was like, tell us about Christopher. Uh, what, you know, I was just like saying names and joking. You know me. You guys know me. And I was being funny. And then uh, she said to me after about 45 minutes of this, she goes, do you want another drink or do you want to go somewhere else? I was like, let's go somewhere else. <laughs> so I gently got up and we left and then we we went about three bars down I had one drink with her and I said you know yeah you know that was a little, little interesting situation that we were in but you know I, I don't think we should continue this date but nice meeting you <laughs> and then I and then I left I didn't just like get up and leave and embarrass her in front of her friends I embarrassed her by herself because I was like I could have been embarrassed, but I wasn't. I just thought it was a really, really dopey situation. So what happened was, follow-up, about a year after that, maybe a year and a half, I'm at a bar. I'm at this bar in Burbank. And it's like a pirate-themed bar. It's like you're inside of a ship, and, argh, and there's a lot of white people there. And there was no black people 
in this entire bar, I noticed they were having like an opening night. And then like I was the only brown person in the entire place. And I was just thinking, this is weird. Because <laughs> uh, my friend was like there. You know, I've got uh, friends. Some of them happen to be white folks. And, and sometimes they're like, hey, let's go do a thing. And I'm like, yeah, cool, let's go do the thing. And then I go do the thing, and there's only white people there, like ice skating. You know what I mean? Every time I see someone skiing, I'm like, why would you want to do that? And then all my friends, not all of them, but my friends who do go skiing happen to be white. They're like, hey, we just went skiing. You want to go skiing? And I'm like, nah, man, I like my knees. I go running every day. I like to run on my knees. My knees, I like to keep them intact. Because every other story I hear about skiing, people are like, I twisted my leg. And I'm like, yeah, because you were on skis. So I, I get I get a little weirded out by some of the things that white people ask me to do. But that's fine. The joie de vivre, the new experiences, the different things in life. This is what I want in, in life. Joie de vivre. The je ne sais pas. The je ne sais quoi. The je ne sais So I just... I, I, I am very wary about some of these things. So I went to this bar. and It was a big grand opening. Excellent tater tots. Really good beers. Only white people there. It, it, there were like 50 people there. I was the only brown person. And it was almost like... Uh, I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but the only movie that I've seen that's got this right was the movie Get Out. In the movie Get Out, the main character, Chris, he goes to like this really rich white people's party, and they're all like asking him these questions. So what's it like? What do you do? Can you run fast? You know, kind of like really dumb questions. He's black. And, and it's always you're always on display when you're the only br- black or brown person in a room full of white people because then they're all like let me ask you questions <sighs> I feel like black people if you were in a room full of black people and there's like one white people one white person the black people aren't like so do you really like to ski how's ice skating what is that about like people you know that doesn't really happen <sighs> just just note to white folks out there just so just so you know if you're the only white person in the room nobody cares Uh, so, <laughs> it's true, though. It is a Janet Jackson gif-eating popcorn, true, though. L- let me just, uh, so, Will, so check this out. I'm at this bar, right? And across right. the room, across the room, I see Drew Barrymore and my date from that evening. They were there. They were at this other bar together. They're inseparable. They're the Bobsy twins, apparently. And I <laughs> see them. I catch them out of the corner of my eye, and I'm with my friend, Michael Dirksen. Shout out to Michael Dirksen. Very tall, handsome man. He left L.A. He left L.A. because he was an actor, and now he lives in Kentucky for some reason. Come back to L.A., Dirksen. He, he's, I said, Dirksen, you're never going to believe this. I went on a date with that person over there, and, and I told him the whole story that I just told with, I just shared with you. And then uh, her friend was there, too. Her friend was just obnoxious. So I go up to the bar, right? And I'm like, let me get another round of beers for the table. And then I go, because I'm magnanimous, see? And then I, I go up to the bar, and I, and I go, let me get another round of beers for the table. And then someone taps me on the shoulder. And I turn around, and it's none other than Drew Barrymore herself. The woman who looks like Drew Barrymore, who wishes she was Drew Barrymore, who talks like Drew Barrymore, who was friends of my date that evening. And she goes, excuse me, what, what is your name? And I was like, oh, I know who you are. Because <laughs> I think she was trying to she was trying to ask me 
She's like, do what? Is your name? And I was like, oh, no, I know who you are. And then I turned back around and I got the beers and I sat down. I was just, it was just, get out of here. Get out of here. Game over, man. It's game over. It's a trap. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, the is toast. <laughs> See what I'm saying? So anyway, let me let me turn up this volume of these sound effects so you could hear the f- full effect. Oh my god, the quarterback is toast. Yeah. Anyway, sound really that's what happened. I can hear it pretty loud here. Yeah, I I just had to crank up because I got this new uh, audio system, and uh, it seems to be working pretty well actually. So anyway, will. That was my horrible date yes. story. I hope you guys stuck with it. It's Studio 88 says, I was the only white person on a bus in Brooklyn, NYC. It felt like the reverse of Eddie Murphy's sketch. Oh my god, Studio 88. Harkening back to the classic Eddie Murphy sketch where he do- he undergoes a transformation so that he can appear <laughs> to, uh, to be a white man and experience New York City. It is a very classic Eddie Murphy sketch. I urge you all to watch that on YouTube. It's hilarious. Thanks you for invoking that Studio 8H. Oh my God! Remember when he goes, "No, just take, take it. Just take the paper. <laughs> no, it's yours. Just take it." <laughs> so good. Uh, he experiences white privilege for one day. Eddie Murphy, com- comedic genius. I hope his Netflix special doesn't suck. All right, Will. Tell us. All right. All right. Uh, the, now we're going to go back to two. Uh, the Shaker. Sergio story. Or Tupac, oh, or <laughs> I don't, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I've also got a uh, the the get out scenario and the inverse of the get out scenario, which I guess would be the white man's burden scenario. If anyone oh, remembers that? that movie, which I've never seen, it was John Travolta where he gets thrown into an alternate universe where white people are the minority, and he Ooh. experiences that. It was maybe late nineties. Okay, that's interesting. My mom actually wrote a treatment for a book about that. My mom's a white lady. Oh. And she actually she actually wrote a treatment for that. She taught in an all black school in uh Yeah, we were talking Roosevelt, about Long Island. The, the school. Yeah. I yeah. accidentally think I named a bunch of people who went to that school when I did my whole rappers with the last name Smith spiel in chat. Dr. J or at least a couple. Public Enemy at Howard Stern. <laughs> a lot of people went to that school. Yeah. But, Roosevelt. Uh, let's, let's talk. Let's talk about uh, what was the comment you had or, or question. Uh, well, I already, I already did my hot take on the YouTube video proving the killer of Tupac. Oh boy, that there are plenty of hacks like that on YouTube. That Google something, get the wiki, read the summary, and say, "Oh yeah, I can, I can get five minutes out of that." Yeah, that is that one of those hats. <laughs> well, that seems to be, you know, yeah, people cranking out content for a living. They just gotta like recycle, and it's it's, you know, I think about that often. I'm like, I try to create evergreen videos. I try to create a new thing every day. I create a new live video five days a week, Monday through Friday, 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time here at Aristotle Full Throttle. But it's hard, you know, it's hard to like maintain yeah. videos and a lot of times people just kind of take the easy way out and recycle the wiki and I, I I don't know I don't I don't find that very fun. I do have fact videos on YouTube you guys could check out and what I would do is I would watch all of the fact videos on YouTube that I could find all the major ones and not include those facts. I would create 
unique facts, or I would think about the movie and think about facts about that movie instead of doing um, recycled facts. I would I'd kind of do like tangential facts and contextual facts, but uh, that that takes a lot of work. <laughs> takes a lot of yes, work. but it is highly rewarding. I, I think so. I, I feel like I was just doing it for me anyway, so because it's fun. And, yeah, uh, I like but you get buy-in like from facts. folks like me because it, we that? recognize that. Like, you get buy-in well, from you. folks like me, like people who actually recognize something unique, and they're like, "Oh, this person has actually thought about this. They've got their own ideas. Amazing." Yeah, you know. Thank you. And thank you. There's not a lot of that in content creation, and you know, it's because people are thinking, "Oh, to beat the algorithm, I need to just yeah. constantly." wrap out this stuff and have it on a, a topic that's trending and there are a few channels that I watch that they take that approach but to their credit they compile all of the boiler points boilerplate yeah. statements about different folks and at least make a, a healthy compilation but um so Tupac you, you did raise the question was he actually tough I don't think yeah. was he tough was the appropriate question. It was was he unhinged, and the evidence oh. is pretty <laughs> fair to show that he was. And one of the things that people know Jada Pinkett for is her relationship with right. him, and that they say they That's were friends, right. but they were very close for a significant period of their lives. And yeah. if you look at current events, uh. And then you think about his, quote unquote, I'm, I'm going to use this term even though it's probably not fair, uh, but his uh, Napoleon complex. He was a little man, yes. You could, Sorry. Yeah. You could yeah. be a height supremacist. And he out. <laughs> well, it's not even yes. about height. It's just his, his attitude about uh, trying to, to overcompensate for situations where you would assume, oh, oh, he might be intimidated by someone or some circumstance. Like, he had uh, a violent uh, right. hostility towards any type of authority unless the authority was aligned with him. And it always came out. And I was a fan of his before. Did he fight authority yes, and authority always win? That's that's a question that <laughs> John Cougar Mellencamp has. <laughs> See, I thought you were just doing an older reference. Win. Oh, which is Which just one? a paraphrase of I fought the law and the law won. Law won. That's also another <laughs> one. I fought authority, authority, always win. Everybody knows that from the 80s. Uh, but yes, yeah. the, I always think about Tupac and like different rappers who are extraordinarily rich from the time they were about 18 or 19 till now. And like, Even Bruce Springsteen. Speaking of John Cougar Mellencamp, Bruce Springsteen. Uh, he... <laughs> Bruce Springfield. This dude talks about working on the docks. He's like, I'm a working man. And I'm like, no, dude, you've been rich and famous since you were 19. <laughs> you are, you're 70 now. That is 50 years of being rich and famous. How are you? But somehow he can write in the... Um, he can... He, yeah, he can write in the voice of the common working person. So I don't know. Maybe that right, is there's something to it. Sana. Yeah. You know what? All right, I'll, I'll tie that into astrology in a way. Yeah. Indirectly. Bring it home. Hopefully, mm -hmm. a way that's not, not offensive to you. But 
the same thing happens, I think, with songwriters and artists that happens with astrology. They see uh, a typology, a personality type, uh, uh, a demographic that they identify with. And even if that's not where they're from, quote unquote, who they are, on a personal level, they feel like that's what they were meant to understand and be. And so they feel a connection with that. So you have someone who was raised in Pennsylvania that wants to be a country singer. And, uh, Mm -hmm. or you've got someone named Keith Urban raised in Keith Urban raised in Australia who wants to be a country singer or Shania Twain, who was raised in Canada, who wants to be a country singer. Those two countries arguably are probably more agrarian and rustic than the U.S. in a lot of ways, so I can I'll, I'll throw people subjects of the queen. They're not from. Yeah, yeah. Well, because like they all worship the queen. Outback for a reason. But like, when you have that 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 tendency, so you're gonna have people who they just have an affinity for that thing, just like some people have affinities for certain astrological character types, and like like you yeah. said, it's a certain degree of it is malarkey. And if you dig in, you got your ascending and your descending. You got your moon and you got your sun, and it got every sign can be influenced by some other sign three or four times over, so you can account for anything that anyone wants to be. Show me a um, sign. And it, so it's the same kind of projection. So yield. You know, that's. Not I, I just want to let me just let me oh, just chime in it. there for a second. Oftentimes, when people go, "What's your sign?" I say, "Yield." Go ahead. Great album. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, album. But uh, <laughs> n- arr, there's at least one bad song in there. I'll give you that. There's one song that I felt should have been a Dave Matthews song. This song is in five. And though. I'm not a Dave Matthews fan. Yes, it is. There's this a song- lot of odd ties in this group. That's a Jeff Ament song off that album, Yield. Yes. Oh, go, uh, go ahead. Sorry. I, I derailed you. Uh, I'm just trying to spice things no, up. Again, I'm trying to salt some pepper. I, yeah, I know where I'm at. We're good. Okay. So, all right. Good. Anyway, having established that people have these affinities and they project these certain things, you got somebody that, let's say they went to an art school for middle school and high school. They learned acting yeah. and dance, and they right. They're performers. Poetry, all right. So, and then this person also just happens to be the child of a member of the Black Panther Party who was incarcerated when she was pregnant with him. Ooh, so he served a time in jail. So, well, <laughs> not even so much that is Tupac. He had a natural inclination to identify with the history of his family. So that, right. that that militant aspect of his his rhetoric, especially when he came out, a lot of the anti-authority manifested in that. It was it was directly political, but he was also like, Tupac was twenty six when he died. When you think about, it, he was twenty six, and One when more he came out, it was twenty seven club. Yeah. Oh, there's. I'm getting the call. All right, I'm gonna have to pause for a sec. That's my mom. Uh, We're gonna make sure everything is okay with her. Make sure mom Uh, is okay. Hi, mom. (laughs) I'll just keep going. Um, 
You know, I could actually play commercials on Twitch. I want to see if I could play a commercial right now. How do I do that? Uh, let me see. Appearance. Because that helps me if you just guys just hang out for the commercial. Uh, I'm not going to do it. Right after these messages. Uh, coffee. Do you like coffee? I drink it almost every day. And, um, you know, it's not healthy for you. But it is healthy for you. But two cups, not healthy. One cup, delicious. Two cups, not healthy. 64 cups a day. You know, you got a death wish. You're welcome. The more you know. Fresh pots! Ah, uh, fresh pots! Fresh pots! Oh, <laughs> sad, sad, sad. But happy reference. Yeah. Sad, but happy reference. Uh, right. Of course, yeah. Dave Grohl, recording with Queens of the Stone Age, needing some fresh pots every five minutes. Eagles, um, it was yes. actually, I almost said Eagles death metal, but it was neither. It was them crooked vultures. Oh. Them crooked vultures. That's right. Yes, that's a good band. I mean, I listened to that album. EPK. I listened to that them crooked vultures album. Of course, it is uh, Josh Homme, Dave Grohl, uh, another guitar player, and John Paul the bass Jones player, and Mr. Alan Johannes. Alan Johannes. Alan Johannes. Remember that name? Yes, Alan Johannes, the legend, the unheralded. Good, good, incredible band. artists. Yeah, what a, what a cool band. I mean, not a bad song on that album, but it just didn't take off because it's maybe not the most popular genre currently. But it was just it's just what, a though? really good rock album. What? I think you judge that album not by the like the sales of the album itself, but by the success of those yeah. tours. Like Fair they enough. they did they did bank on those tours. They they got people out there. Um, I mean, so, who's not going to watch John Paul Jones, Living Legend, and Dave Grohl in the same band, and Josh Homme, who beat me up when I was 17. He attacked me. Really? Physically assaulted me. Oh, yeah, that's a whole story. I got beat up by... All right, you got to tell it now. Uh, I got to tell it. You know what, guys? Tomorrow on Aristotle Full Throttle, I will tell you the story <laughs> of how I was beaten up by Josh Homme. Of Queens of the Stone Age. He threw beer on me. We had words. We had words. <laughs> we had words. <laughs> And uh, we sure did, boy. And I have witnesses. Wow, I've got eyewitnesses. <laughs> I've got about, he, I've got thousands. Temper, but yes. Oh yeah. When I see him kick that lady with the camera, I was like, he's still at it, isn't he? <laughs> still attacking people in the audience. <laughs> no, he he physically attacked me. I got a concussion. I will tell you about not just him, but a group of folks attacked me. Um, so tune in tomorrow on Aristotle Full Throttle when I tell you the story of when I was beaten up by Josh Homme of Queens of the Stone Age. So remember to come back, listen to this podcast, and if you're listening to this podcast on replay, just remember that you might have just listened to it because it'll be the most recent episode tomorrow. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> I, I was I was uh, projecting onto Tupac's personality uh, and how yes. that plays into whether or not he was a tough guy or he was unhinged or however you want to read him as a person um but it, the the anti-authority thing was tied into his just just his general background from you know who his mother was and her history and the civil rights movement and how he he transplanted that onto the 90s in america which was just as volatile if not yeah. more so than now so that came out but then you had the whole scenario of the interpersonal conflicts he was involved in and when you have someone who's already primed for a hostility towards threats that he perceives, like he's the existential threat of racism, 
Um, and then it becomes, oh no, it's the immediate threat of the person next to you. Then th that propensity for paranoia uh, and uh, hypersensitivity is just going to play up even more. And uh, I think that's partly what happened because, like, people for people who are not as familiar with the whole yep. situation. Well, uh, you said uh, so. It, it, so t Tupac, wait, wait. Let me just sum up this. T Tupac had more of an ex existential threat because he was famous, because he was more famous. So it's like he had to kind of like look out around him for being rich and famous. Or wait, I'm confused. Well. For that first shooting, the first shooting incident he had, which is the one that yeah. happened right before he went to jail, that would be a case where it's like, yeah, you have these people who are hangers-on that actually don't have your best interest in mind, and like that that manifests as like a physical threat. But like, in why do people the shoot industry? musicians? It's weird. <laughs> Seems like a dumb well, thing to do. Was, the, there was a question of whether it was a legitimate robbery or not. Um, because they didn't get anything off of them, but it wasn't uncommon for people to get robbed, especially in right. New York, LA, around or that time. Las Vegas. Yeah, that was who got no, shot no, in Las no, Vegas. No, no, no. The rock, uh, Pac oh, got the shot in Las time. Vegas. That's the the shooting he died from. If you believe he's dead, there's that whole Ooh. thing. <laughs> he's still alive. Like, yeah. uh, you know, honestly, um, I bought into the idea that Tupac was still alive because he was on. He was in the hospital for like two weeks. And people were like visiting him, and you know, I really, I can't, you know, because we don't like to believe the bad things, so we'd like to believe maybe there's hope. Right. And at the time, I remember thinking, you know, maybe they figured out he was out of the woods by then, and and then they said, hey, Tupac, now you could go back to being Tupac and have your life constantly threatened because you got shot twice already, you know, or mm -hmm. you could retire to the Bahamas and sit on a mountain of cash. And just, just like live your life however you want. But I don't know. I don't know if an artist can just stop being an artist like that. A musician. I said on my Twitter the other day, "You're never an ex-musician." I don't know how people can ever say I was an. I'm an ex-musician. Musician is just a part of who you are. And music doesn't leave you. You don't leave music. You don't stop learning music. I always pause at that part of the song. Uh, so, <laughs> so the point is. I, myself, uh, it's just a constant, you're always going uphill. It's always uphill. You're just walking uphill, and then you yeah. die as a musician. You, you know what I'm talking about. Will Will is, is also a musician. Yeah. You just const I you're constantly learning. I think there are some learning. people who successfully just leave it all behind. Now, I would have to go dig and do my research to remember the people who fit into this category. Um, but it's like well, the parallel would be it in don't stop. I don't think it, it like ever leaves your brain though. Like you can't just stop. Right. You can't just stop musing when you hear music, or you can't stop musing when you even like even. There's still some part of you that is playing along to the music. When I was watching uh, Billie Eilish last week, I'm playing along with Phineas in my head. I'm like seeing what I'm playing the music. When I saw Radiohead four years ago. Uh, Radiohead, my absolute favorite band to see live, one of my favorite bands to see live, because I just sat there half the time with my eyes closed, just feeling them perform in the moment. And and it's that to me is is like a vicarious thing. And, yeah, it's, and, uh, it's just out. and it's automatic. It's not even like something I can I can turn off, you know. 
Right. So now, I'm yeah. just thinking maybe along the lines of the last Jedi, like cutting yourself off from the force in totality. And right. I remember there's some musician that I had an interest in. And I remember reading about what their later life was like. And they just explained that like, yeah, they don't do anything with music. They don't listen to music. They don't play music. It's just not mm. something that they involved us with. And I, I wish I could tell you who it was off the bat, but I've done so much reading and stuff, looking into people over the years that I've forgotten right. at this point. John Lennon relative to that, gave up music for five years and then came out with a double album. Ah, uh, like there's this documentary. Tell me if you've ever seen it. It's called All We Are Saying. It was done by Rosanna Arquette, like around 2003-2004. Oh, I don't know that. But I know that all they were saying was give peace a chance. So, yeah, the, you, you didn't know I was going there with that, but it you, oh. somehow we connected on that level. But it's it's basically a series of interviews with a who's who of like the legends in music, contemporary popular artists, and just getting their perspective on what it means to be a musician, what it means to be a human being, the intersection of the mm. two, and how do they make life work. So you've got Tom Petty, Andre 3000, Marilyn Manson, Stevie Nicks, Peter Gabriel, like Maynard James Keenan. Uh, Peter Gabriel, too. Like, if you go and you Google the movie and you go to the IMD page and you look at the people who were in this movie, you will be wild. Like, I stumbled across it on Showtime, and I'm like, what am I watching? Because it was an amazing one to see all these people in these very candid interviews talking with her in a very conversational way where you don't even know it's Rosanna Arquette because you just hear her voice a little bit, and she isn't on camera until later in the movie. Um, But... <laughs> that's amazing <laughs> go ahead um but yeah and and they're just all these really enlightening conversations where people talk about stuff like one of the things that made the biggest impression on me was stevie nicks having to broach the subject of not having kids and what right. it meant for her as a musician to make that decision like she constantly made a choice yeah. like you know i'm music first in my life and i'm just gonna have to be content with that um right. or like just a lot of people put out a lot well, of heady stuff. There's just so so many great conversations. Oh yeah, interestingly enough, there's a song by called Daydreaming. I highly recommend people watch this video about the, what the video means. There's a lot of mumbo jumbo in it, a lot of like astrological stuff, but there's also a lot of stuff that is pretty pretty valid. And um, at the end of the song Daydreaming by Radiohead, it's the second song off of their most recent album, A Moon Shaped Pool. Great, incredible song. Sneaky little polyrhythms that Johnny Greenwood is playing on the piano. But um, at the very end, in a very kind of coded, weird, backwards sounding way, you hear Half My Love. Tom New York says, Half My Love, Half My Life. He says, Half of My Love, Half of My Life. And that, uh, people speculate and indicate that that actually was. His he was I guess forty eight at the time of the the that song came out or so and uh, he had been married for twenty four years and that marriage ended mm-hmm. but it also oh also wow. that was twenty four years since he got his like record contract from the first album that they released for, or the first album that Radiohead released was also twenty four years so he was saying people speculate that half of his love was his wife and the other half being his band and half of his life 
having spent with both of them uh, is, is is really kind of a deep, poignant type of lyric. Half of my love, half of my life. So that song, um, you know, and he sings about existing to serve and meaning like to serve his relationship perhaps and to serve this band and the, and the audience perhaps. And it's a really interesting... I mean, listen, Radiohead, I don't know if this is a hot take or not, but they're pretty deep. <laughs> you might think they yeah. are, quote, sad and depressing, but I think that you're missing the point if you if that's how you, you reduce them. But that, hey, that's your opinion. That's like, uh, what you know, whatever you call that. These aren't the droids you're looking for. Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. See what I'm saying? Um, <laughs> but... But, I, you know, speaking of all of the things that you have to sort of sacrifice to be an artist, uh, I, I, I do the show every day for 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And, uh, you know, I don't have a wife. I don't have kids. Uh, I'm, I'm doing this because I need to. I play music because I need to. And, in fact, I have an audition to do in, in a little while. I'm going to be doing an audition for a movie, for a main character in a movie. I, um, I've been preparing for it Ooh, the last couple of days. Luck. Thank you. It's a self-tape, and I'm going to be doing that in the next hour. So I'm going to set up for that, which means I have to wrap up the show, sadly. Uh, thank you for for joining me, Isis Will. We have solved the crimes thank of, you for uh, having of the me. centuries. Always, always welcome to the show. Let me put the goodbye music on. I mean, is, is the statute of limitations up on Josh Homme? Can we get him for assault? <laughs> I think we can get him for assault. I think. Well, here's the thing. My friend Dirksen, who I mentioned, my friend Dirksen, who I mentioned earlier, he used to work at a restaurant called Boneyard in the Valley. It's like a barbecue restaurant. And uh, Josh Homie used to come in there all the time. And my friend Dirksen knows Josh Homie, and he knows me. And every time he's like, Josh Homie was in the was in the restaurant tonight, and I just keep laughing to myself because I want to bring up that story. I want you to come in sometime. Because we're about the same size. We're about the same height and everything. And he's just like, I want you to come in one time and I'm going to bring up the story. <laughs> and I'm like, I want a rematch. I want to be facing him this time. I don't want him to be rabbit punching me. That's not That's not fair. Or is it? Um, <laughs> but yes, it's a good story. Thank you, Studio 8H. Studio 8H says good luck. Uh, you know, I'm ready for it. I'm ready for whatever comes my way. I'm ready to take over the world. We could do it together. I need your help, though. I need your help. And when oh. I say take over the world, I mean with smiles and happiness and joy. Uh, let me know if you're Want in. Want me to blow your Are mind you in? out? Yeah, blow my mind. Are you in, I say, as Incubus once said. But go ahead. All right, I'm going to try and speed read the cast from the movie I was talking about, Alphabetical Order. Get ready. I might pass out. Be Real, Burt Bacharach, Andre 3000, Mary J. Blige, Boy George, Elvis Costello, David Crosby, Cheryl Crow, DJ Muggs, Dean DeLeo, Robert DeLeo, Perry Farrell, Flea, Bob Forrest, Peter Gabriel, Amanda Ghost, Allison Goldfrapp, Kim Gordon, Macy Gray, Will Gregory, Merle Haggard, Ben Harper, whew, hold on, Debbie Harry, Don Henley, Mark Hudson, Chrissy Hine, Jimmy Iovine, Nicky Pop, Ricky Lee Jones, Maynard James, Keenan Anthony, Keaton, Sean Lennon, Annie Lennox, Los, Los Lonely Boys, Sheldon, Marilyn Manson, Joni Mitchell, Thurston Moore, Graham Nash, Willie Nelson, Stevie Nicks, Yoko Ono, Tom Petty, Chris Robinson, Pat Schiaffa, Patty Smith, uh, Gwen Stefani, Sting, Serge Tankman, Steven Tyler, Will I Am, Nancy Wilson, Tom York, Laura Dern, and Wilson, I'm done.
Wow, there's, uh, I'd like to thank I'd like to thank all of those people for working on this show. They, I actually could probably <laughs> sing a song from every single one of those artists you just named. Actually, Ooh, I was just thinking, impressive. Yeah, 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 yeah. I could I could if we went down the list, maybe we'll start off tomorrow's show that way. Just say name each one of the persons, and I could tell you a song by them. Because uh, yeah, who's Stevie Nicks? Just kidding, just kidding. She climbed a mountain <laughs> and turned around. I don't think you're ready for this jelly. She's not ready. Um, she's also stopped dragging her love around, is what Tom Petty said. Oh, well, thank you guys so much for joining me here at Aristotle Full Throttle. It's been a pleasure. It's always it's a pleasure to serve. It's an honor to serve. That's what they say in the song Daydreaming by Radiohead. <laughs> we exist to serve. Um, I just want to make everybody happy. and uh, you know, nah, I don't want to make everybody happy. <laughs> Maybe I do. <laughs> I just want... I just Everybody want people who watch who this Barrymore, show. Um. Except for, yeah, who knows who Barrymore. Um, <laughs> I just want to bring... Listen, uh, I want to thank you for letting me be myself again. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? <laughs> I want to thank you for letting me be myself again. Oh, man, shout out. To Sly and the Family Stone. Sly, who lives now, I think, uh, on in a van in uh, Santa Monica. Sigh. <laughs> very, very much a sigh. But uh, you know, that's the that's the life he chose, and we hope he's good. I, I think he's being yeah. well taken care of by some people. But man is a musical genius, but also does not care for society. <laughs> I care for making society a better place with laughs, music, art. And, uh, you know, happy thoughts. So think happy thoughts and, and, you know, don't go being a jerk, okay? Just uh, listen. You could be a jerk. Everyone's a jerk to somebody, but try to be less of a jerk to everybody. That's Try to think about that. And knowing is half the battle. G.I. Joe. All right. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> uh, I'm Aristotle Full Throttle. Your bro with the fro. And I'll see you tomorrow. I got to go to the dentist tomorrow. Ew. Okay, bye everybody.